0: Ladies and gentlemen, happy game week. It is here. It's the podcast daily. It is Ohio State and Notre Dame game week. The offseason training camp, winter workouts, spring ball, all of it has come uh, led up to this and it's finally over. The offseason is ending on Saturday in primetime. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Ward. This is the podcast daily. It is Monday and we are closing in on kickoff. Guys, we made it. We're here, feel pretty good, you know feel like i'm in,
1: I'm in game shape, feel like it was a good camp for me, think I'm ready to go for Saturday.
2: <laughs> I feel like this has been the longest off season of my life, uh, as far as covering Ohio State, and I don't know if it's because the season, for all intents and purposes, ended in November, and it very rarely does anymore. I don't know if it's because I wasn't actually at the Rose Bowl covering that game in person, which I normally would be, but either way, it feels like this off season has taken forever, and I'm glad it's over feel like you left some details out there.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say anything anything else happened
2: in the offseason. No. I mean maybe, but I mean I'm just glad that we're we're into game week and we had football on the telly this weekend and uh Austin won a, a big motor car race, apparently. So everything's really everyone's just moving along uh, you know at super speeds here. That's right. Huge. Congrats on, on your big morning. W though.
0: Yeah, thank you. Red Bull Racing uh, dominant performance uh, in Spa on Sunday morning. But that's we don't need to worry about that. I mean, it's fun. We could break that down, but I don't think anybody wants us to do we that We couldn't here.
2: break that down. You may be able to break that down. I guarantee you, Bill and I could not break that down.
0: Uh, that's no cool. shot. Um, no shot.
2: But, I mean, you've got
0: your land-grant shirt on. It's a perfect place every Sunday morning to go watch the F1. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, at this time next week, we'll be able to break down a game. And there were a couple. Uh, I accidentally, I, I smashed some words together in bold prediction on Friday. And I said there was going to be more on Monday. And I it wasn't what I anticipated. I thought that those words would be separate. More on Monday. And then Scott Frost was like, no, watch this. You want something to talk about on more on Monday? Here we go. Hold my Guinness. A <laughs> free Guinness, by the way. We really missed the boat. We should have gone to cover that game.
1: Yeah, can we get Gene Smith to get Ohio State to play an opener in Ireland and then maybe also have the beer be free like it was for the Northwestern-Nebraska game?
2: I don't think that the media was drinking free beer. I think they were still working. <laughs> I think at a certain you don't point think any of game, the Nebraska, Nebraska writers
1: started drinking.
2: <laughs> so more on Monday, right? I mean, let's just dive into more on Monday. This is now a thing here on the podcast, right? It, it has to be. There's two candidates. There's two candidates, and one didn't even coach a game. Oh, well, I'm just going to pick the obvious one and say it was Scott Frost for kicking an onside kick up 11 points when you're playing a team that had no momentum and couldn't move the ball, and then all of a sudden you said, here, take it at the 40 and score three plays later. <laughs> uh, it was the weirdest thing. I mean, because they were – it was back and forth that entire game, Nebraska and Northwestern, and they get that huge fumble. They score two plays later for, for Nebraska, and you go up 11, and you think, oh, crap, this a Northwestern team is probably going to uh, – run out of juice here they weren't doing much uh, in the third quarter up to that point except for the fumble and then all of a sudden you get the ball to 43 or 45 yard line and that game was effectively over at that point point. and i i tweeted it on saturday after the game but you don't want to make a big deal about like one bad coaching decision but since this is now like the ninth straight game that nebraska has lost by less than a touchdown uh, I think that there comes a point where you have to point the finger at the coach in that situation, especially in this one because it was so obviously the wrong call. And I, I think Scott Frost, uh, I, I think at this point, unless they go out on this crazy streak and go out and beat Oklahoma next week and do all this other stuff, I think come October 1st when his buyout drops in half to $7.5 I think uh, that buyout will be utilized then.
1: <laughs> it was, first of all, I, I feel like I owe – probably Northwestern more than anyone an apology because Austin and I did an episode of the daily uh, probably a week or two ago where I sort of made fun of the idea that the game we were sending over there was Nebraska Northwestern it was actually (laughs) it was actually a pretty good game like I was entertained for the entirety of that game I don't know if it was particularly good football all the time but it was a good time uh, a good viewing experience so I want to give I guess mostly Northwestern credit for that but but Nebraska uh, certainly with its buffoonery I think made it a little interesting too but that uh that that onside kick call uh, was something else, and it reminded me of when cause Ryan Day kicked an onside kick against Maryland in 2019. Uh, when he had no business doing so but i think they were up by like a billion when they did that and i don't think anyone was thinking uh, to themselves boy uh maryland has a chance to get back in this game here no idea <laughs> no idea what's right. on. that was that
2: that onside kick was like a, a bizarre flex to see if they could do something they've been working on in practice this was a let's get them boys like yeah. and you're not so and someone a, you got don't have a team to- yeah you don't have a team to be like let's get them at that point when you're in nebraska and you're it's your first game with 83 transfers on your team of your 85 players.
0: That certainly fell into the category of trying too hard. Mm-hmm. And as you said, Berm, uh, nine, to do this nine straight times, you know, the last team that Nebraska had beat, if am I wrong here, was Northwestern, and they beat the brakes off of them last year. It's one of the few times where people are like, ah, there's that Scotty Frost that we know from the 90s. He's going to turn this thing back around for the Huskers. No. This guy, the other thing that you said was, at some point, you have to turn the finger at the coach. Nebraska already knows that it has that problem, or it wouldn't have renegotiated his deal and dropped that buyout down for October. I don't like these halfway measures. Can, Nebraska already knows that it's not going to work with Scott Frost, and Trev Albert seems to recognize that, and everybody around that program seemed to get that after last year, that he just wasn't the guy. And maybe there won't ever be one at Nebraska again that can win national championships. In fact, there have been a lot of conversations about that and how difficult it is to win there. But he's not even close to the level of his predecessors. Not even close. And there's just no way around it. He has to be fired.
2: Yeah, and before we move on to whoever your choice was for more on Monday... I think there's actually something he did on Saturday that was dumber than the onside kick. And that was the way he handled it post game. Like you knew heading into this off season, heading into this 2022 season that your job essentially was on the chopping block. And you were given a reprieve and given this opportunity to bring in Mark Whipple from Pitt and change the offense and realize the offense had to be changed because your offense didn't work in the big 10 and no one was getting beaten by it. And then, when their offense actually looked somewhat capable for at least the first half on Saturday, he goes out after the game and says, well, this offensive staff needs to learn. You got to mix things up in this league as if to say, we needed to run more triple option. Like, like, what are you talking about? (laughs) What needed to happen was for you to not give your opponent an easy touchdown when you had all the momentum in the world. And I think if, if Trev Alberts, the, the AD at Nebraska, wasn't like boys with Scott Frost, I don't think he would have brought him home from, from, from Ireland after making that comment <laughs> after the game on Saturday.
1: <laughs> Can I just uh, quickly give a shout out to all the national writers who picked Nebraska to win the West for some reason? Uh, maybe Adrian Martinez wasn't the problem.
2: Hmm. Hmm. You know, you have to pick a quarterback and run with him though, right?
0: Well, that's interesting that you say that, Byrne, because there's another candidate emerging without even playing a game over the weekend. Jim Harbaugh has decided that he's going to start one of his quarterbacks in week one and a different quarterback in week two. How he decided that that was a good idea, how he decided which one was going to play which game, I don't know. He decided to drop this news on a Saturday night on the In-House Michigan podcast, and I have questions about that as well, and a lot of questions about how he thinks exactly this is going to help Michigan to play the first two weeks with two different quarterbacks. He, if Scott Frost was trying too hard with the onside kick, what does that make this decision at the most important position on the field? Is he just trying to be nice to
1: Cade McNamara and like giving him one last like way to go buddy? Thanks for last year, but <laughs> after this first game against I don't even I can't remember who they played. I don't know they play Hawaii in week two. Uh they played
2: Colorado State. Colorado State,
1: yeah. After after the game against Colorado State, thanks so much. We'll see you later. It's it's JJ McCarthy time. Is that the idea here?
2: Or is it the other way? Is it, hey JJ, we don't want you to transfer, so we're gonna do this and let you have a game and and a few more weeks to to wait and see how things go because after week four, you won't be able to transfer or something like that. I mean, I, I don't understand um, period, I, but uh, there's a lot of things you can say about Caden McNamara as an athlete and the, the areas where he maybe doesn't stack up to JJ McCarthy, but he is the quarterback that led you to the college football playoff a year ago. Their offense at Michigan should be the part of their team this year. That is like more competent than the defense. I think at least that's the expectation for everything that they've returned. It's just, it's such a weird decision to Cause this sort of internal strife on a team that was, you know, in the playoff a year ago. Yeah,
0: I have a very difficult time understanding why, but maybe, maybe he'll look like a genius by week three. I'm skeptical of that part, but we'll see how that plays out because now we get to actually start evaluating games. The one that we're going to cover on Saturday night now has a spread in some places, Bill, as high as 17 and a half points. Yeah. You seem surprised by that. Uh when you texted me that earlier i uh, it's it seems
1: well it does seem high because it's like a helmet game, and I think typically helmet games are a little a little closer than seventeen points. I do think if I assess the nature of both rosters and some of the potential injury situations over on on Notre Dame side that I suppose it makes sense, but i I don't know i maybe i'm I'm often thinking that the questions that are kind of hanging in the air for Ohio state or a little are a little more um, important maybe <laughs> than, than, than the betting public or, or the public in general sort of believes. But like that to me is a lot of faith in Ohio state getting its defense figured out fast. And it's a lot of faith in these young receivers stepping in for CJ Stroud Stratt- or serve sort of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave right away and like not skipping a beat. So, uh, I don't know. It just feels big. I'm sure it's going to come back down closer to game time. I, I would I would think it comes back down closer to game time. But, but yeah, when I saw that balloon to 17 on Sunday, I was <laughs> like, "Ooh,
2: that's uh that's a lot." but hasn't it gone up like three and a half points in the last week? I mean, what's the, what's the explanation and or rationale for thinking it'll drop back down. I mean, is that just people hedging bets? Also, it's, is a good time to remind people. I don't know yeah. gambling. So like, I, I was
0: about to add that disclaimer, right? Yeah, now. Like, I don't know. Who I'm just, hasn't to followed out, us before.
2: I don't understand at all what that means. Like number one, you can't have a half point people. <laughs> Come on, America. <laughs> but beyond that, I just look at it and I think to myself, uh, if you look stack the teams up one to 85 one to 85, uh, Ohio State with everything they have returning healthy, bringing everyone back they're they're not missing key components at, at offense like uh, Notre Dame is with their wide receiver situation. I think this is an Ohio State team that should win by three touchdowns so I guess I don't see the big deal with 17 and a half.
0: Well I think that that's the realization that's coming in uh, that's inflating this line. you know I, I always like to boil it down to three things who you like who you think is more skilled as the head coach who has the better quarterback and where is the game all three things dramatically favor Ohio State and that's without going one through 85 where I also think that there's a wide disparity between these two rosters Uh, I think you know everybody wants as as Bill said it's two of the most prestigious programs in college football history playing an opening game in prime time in one of the most famous stadiums in college football you'd like to think that it's Top five going to be close. It's going to be an epic battle. I just don't, I don't see it that way. You you have a new starting quarterback for Notre Dame. You have a first time head coach who has, I don't you know had some fits and starts, just managing the off season and sticking his foot in his mouth at various times. And then they've got to take him on the road without a bunch of key players from that roster a year ago for them and Ohio State. For all of the knowledge that we have about some specific areas where. We're probably just comparing them to Alabama um, in at least in my mind and in all fairness to that they don't have actual questions in my in my mind when it comes to are they good enough to blow out Notre Dame or beat Notre Dame because I just I think that's pretty obvious it doesn't mean that they will on Saturday, but to me it seems like everything points to that and and the spread also strongly hammers at that point home as well the i I'm not I, I think I understand gambling a little bit. The the
1: total I think is like fifty eight or fifty eight and a half. So the total and the spread combined is like if what fifty eight to, or not fifty eight thirty eight to 20. 38-20, yeah thirty eight twenty game. That's not uh, right. Th- I was gonna say like how like I know we, I'm not saying we need to give score predictions right now, but if, the way that you feel about it makes me think that you believe this will be much more lopsided than thirty eight to twenty.
0: That is how I feel. And we'll get to that on Friday for bold predictions. And maybe I will be a featured topic on more on Monday a week <laughs> from now. But uh, we'll find out. I just uh, – to me, it doesn't, it doesn't check out. I don't know situation? what that defense is going to look like. But we're going to – I just don't think that Notre Dame has the answers for anything Ohio State could do
2: defensively. Isn't this just a situation where we see the preseason polls, we see two and five, We think that it's going to be a close game just internally because of that. But like we're Vegas, the dudes out there are smarter than the coaches and media members who are voting on these things. (laughs) I mean, generally, are they smarter? I I think generally speaking, they are, they, they make a a butt ton of money doing this stuff uh, and they're very rarely (laughs) wrong. So you think that they probably have a fairly good idea of, of why it's that high. So I, you know, I would tend to, go that direction i guess and thinking that those guys know what they're talking about how much is a butt ton 144 uh, pounds 144 tons
1: that's a lot of tons (laughs) yeah
0: very confusing um (laughs) yeah (laughs) another thing that we like to do on mondays is dive in with five questions i will have that uh on rivals dotting the eyes you have one question that you want answered by ohio state on saturday bill what is it
1: um uh, I'll go with something that I plan on writing about this week too. It's like how much CJ Stroud uses his legs. Um, I've been diving in on those numbers a little bit, uh, and it's kind of to, to compare the amount that he ran to the his predecessors at the position is like kind of hysterical. <laughs> it's like it's an unbelievable drop off, and and it's not surprising, but but it is pretty stark. It's more stark than I thought it would be, even compared to a guy like Dwayne Haskins. Um, I I think he's going to do it more. Uh, I was uh, I was thinking back on a conversation I had with Ryan Day in his office back in May, where where Ryan Day we were talking about the run game, and he sort of won out of his way to mention CJ using his legs more and, and how much they can be a weapon. So, um, I don't I don't think uh, Ryan Day says things uh, that aren't purposeful when he's talking about stuff like that. So, I think it's something that that they have in the back of their mind, and, and I'm curious how much they unleash
2: it on Saturday. Hmm. Uh, for me, it actually goes back to other things we've heard and seen from Ryan day in the last nine months. And this is a guy who at times has been in a relatively uh, dark place, I guess, in the last uh, handful of months after a little, the way last season ended, I want to see Ohio state. I want to know if they can come out and just put a foot on the throat of an opponent and, and keep it there for an entire game. Um, and dominate the way they should because what we know about Ohio State is that they are one of the top three or four teams in the country talent wise I want to see an aggressive absolute dominant performance out of a team every year we watch Alabama open the season against a team that we think is going to be fairly decent and every year they go out there and beat them by 40 or 45 points and I think Ohio State has the talent to do that the offense at Ohio State is the best in the country the defense should be markedly improved. I, I think just knowing that they have a an edge to them, and I don't like that term because it sounds so cliche, and I know Ryan Day has used it all offseason, but I, I want to see them come out with just their hair on fire and just blow the doors off of another team. I don't think I don't think it should be a close game. Um and I want to I want to see them execute it at that high level.
0: Yeah, I was going along those lines as well, Burm. It, it's the sustained competitive toughness. I think that when they come out of that tunnel and they know what's at stake and they see the opponent they have out there, it's it's not going to be hard for Ohio State to get up for that and to probably come out of the gates really strong. Uh it's the ability, as you said, to play for four quarters at that championship level to send a message. You don't have a lot of opportunities. I mean really when you look at the schedule, it's three, four, maybe five times where you, ha- you have a chance to prove it and show how good you are and send those messages if we're going to dive into all those cliches. But you know, the ability to do that from start to finish uh, and set a tone for the entire season I think is important. Uh, you know, If they want a closer game, would that mean that they can't win a national championship? Of course not. But I think after this long offseason, the way that they had it and everything that's been sitting in their stomach since uh, last November – to go out and play a full sixty minutes at a at the level that they expect and standard that they are trying to uphold, I think that's uh, that would be significant. And again, I obviously don't think Notre Dame can win this game, and I've made that clear throughout. But it's the way that Ohio State plays that I think we're going to be evaluating.
2: That's the way it always goes for this team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to come down to as we've talked about all offseason, just toughness, and toughness is not just how you handle getting punched at the line of scrimmage. It's about how you bounce back when, if Notre Dame comes out in that first drive and scores a touchdown and, and how, how does the defense stop themselves from going, Oh crap, here we go again. I mean, that sort of stuff that you just have to worry about. And you hope that this entire off season has helped eradicate from their memory, but you know what you're a competitive person. And once you start to get in that, that position where the juices are going, you've got to be able to keep swinging for that whole game. And so, you know, I think that to me is the biggest question. Can they prove it immediately? The entire country is going to be watching that game. Anything Ohio State does wrong or any moment of doubt, anything where it doesn't look like they're the one of the two or three best teams in the country is going to be amplified in a way that uh will haunt them pretty much the entire season, I think. So you gotta really you gotta really hammer it uh on Saturday.
1: Yeah. You guys uh gonna go over and listen to the Jack Harlow concert before the game or what? <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't know who Jack Harlow is. I saw that tweet, but that was the... I guess I needed to do my research or get 20 years younger. I'm not sure. Is that is that part of your plan for Saturday, Bill?
1: You could offer me a million dollars to name one Jack Harlow song and give me the rest of my life to figure it out, and I couldn't do it.
2: <laughs> I want to just be very clear that I am as hip a 43-year-old white dude as there can mm-hmm. possibly be, and I don't know who Jack Harlow I is. I often
0: yeah i often think that about you. yeah and i don't Look, know people, who that yeah.
2: is um yeah. i don't know who it is and i feel bad uh I, maybe i'll download something on on sh- uh shazam after this and and see um all the all the hip 43 year old white dudes use shazam still so uh, i'm gonna wait maybe- and you
0: can actually use shazam to download songs that is that your understanding
2: yeah i have like mr a, hip dude i have like a beta version of it Um uh, yeah oh okay pretty good <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty I don't, good. I don't know who Jack Harlow is, but I'm sure he makes uh, wonderful music. I just feel like if you're going to have game day at Ohio Stadium when Ohio State and Notre Dame are playing, and like LeBron James is going to be there, you should probably have LeBron James be your guest picker or something like that. I, I don't know. That's just my my personal.
1: It's a pretty mind. lame guest picker. Like I don't. I think he's. I looked him up. He's from Kentucky. I think he has nothing to do with either. Maybe he's a Notre Dame fan because most people are for no reason. Like why? I feel like the last two major games they've had in Ohio Stadium, the guest pickers have had like nothing to do with either team. It was Jack Harlow and it was like Bryce Harper, who I love and I would die for. But he is not uh, an Ohio State. He is not an Ohioan. He's married to an Ohio State grad, and that is why he got to pick games on College Game Day. I think, but at least he roots
2: think, for Ohio State. We know that. That's
1: yeah, allegedly.
2: Ooh. <laughs> Are you casting doubts huh. on Bryce Harper? Is there some sort of, you know,
0: fracture in the landis Harper relationship that, No, I'm just saying I mean, he he's uh,
1: you know, he's uh, Bryce Harper likes Bryce Harper, so anything Bryce Harper can do to get people to like Bryce Harper more, Bryce Harper's going to do it.
0: Well, even if you yeah, mm. even if you could you're looking for a musical act. It's not like there's some sh- shortage of people from Columbus that they could use. I don't really understand. If they asked oar to show up on one hour's notice i think they would and then people would be like hey even if you don't like that music i don't know what jack harlow's music is but like oh that's oar they went to uh ohio state they're they're buckeyes fans they wrote a song about columbus that makes sense for game day there's just no tie here i don't get it at all
2: hey did you know that dwight yokum went to ohio state for a semester like, really br- yeah bring dwight yokum on this show or uh or Twenty One Pilots, or no, The Black no, no. Keys, or <laughs> anyone else other than Jack Harlow. That's all. You know who's?
1: You know who's a native son of Columbus who could pick games on game day? Guy Fieri.
2: Guy Fieri. Flavor Town. Welcome, welcome to Flavor Town. To we should probably <laughs> put put an end to this.
0: I, I think, think I got five. More you can tell on Guy how. Fieri. Yeah, you can you can tell how quickly Bill has acclimated to our brand of nonsense that he started this yeah by bringing up jack harlow i love that well it's a podcast hey it's fully part of his life now
2: what if the three of us make it a deal that we're all going to learn one jack harlow song by the time we return for the podcast daily on tuesday learn it like be able to sing it or we're going to karaoke karaoke (laughs) on the show
0: whatever it is that he does i don't know
2: does he rap or does he sing or is he one of those like hybrid guys we'll find out cool (laughs) thanks america you really you really did it this time
0: okay well this will be a fun activity i don't know how bill is berm and i have been road tripping together for many years he and i are both very skilled at learning lyrics in a hurry so uh pressure could be on bill landis yeah and i've got a three-hour
2: drive down to roosters uh Uh on monday morning so no i'll i'll probably come in with like a whole album memorized (laughs) it's gonna be pretty cool (laughs) Look forward
0: to that as part of our coverage all week, Saturday, Notre Dame at Ohio State in the Horseshoe. We obviously cannot wait. Uh, We've got a lot of coverage planned for you, as we always do, uh, both at the podcast and on Dotting the Eyes. Uh, Hope you're as excited as we are for it. That's Bill Burr, I'm Austin. We will see you tomorrow on the podcast daily.